A good Monday morning to my family at North Johnson City Baptist Church and to all those who were listening on Sermon Audio this morning. Today is Monday morning, Memorial Day, 2020. And this is an important day for many people in America as it is a day of solemn remembrance of those who have given their life in service of their nation. And so there are many families remembering the sacrifice of their loved ones. And as I was thinking about Memorial Day, I thought about the idea of memorials in general. You know, it is a biblical idea. There are memorials in the Bible, aren't there? There are times where God institutes a memorial to remember what he has done. Memorials that remind us of his faithfulness and his power and his grace. And so memorials are very biblical in their nature. And while we know that many Americans are thinking of ones that have paid the ultimate price, God calls us to remember his attributes, his goodness, his grace, his faithfulness, his power. And so today on this Memorial Day, I would like to take a moment to look at what the scriptures say about memorials that God has instituted that we are to remember. Now, I want to begin by saying that we are not limiting these things to simply a memorialistic view. In other words, we're not taking Zwingli's approach here that these are simply memorialistic. We are not saying that God does not bless his people through these things or that he does not offer some measure of of grace through these things. We are simply saying that they are also memorials. God has called us to remember something. And in that remembrance, we believe he does bless his people. And so today, as we come to God's word, let us look at some memorials that are never to be forgotten. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 4. We'll find an important memorial instituted there. We're going to read the entire fourth chapter. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourself twelve men from the people, one from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. 
So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, The half, the tribe of Manasseh, crossed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war, crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the river Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Amen. As we look at our text for today, I want us to look at three points. First of all, a memorial to God's incredible faithfulness. Second of all, a memorial to God's omnipotent power. And lastly, a memorial to God's amazing grace. Beginning first with the idea of a memorial to God's incredible faithfulness. If we're going to rightly discuss the events that are covered in our text this morning, we have to remember all the events that have led up to them. God used Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, yet they were not spiritually ready for the land of the promise, a point shown in the reaction of the spies who entered the promised land. While Joshua and Caleb were trusting in God's promise to deliver the land, ten other spies saw only human obstacles, and they saw the impossibility of victory, even with God on their side. Now we know the story. As the older generation gave way to death, and the younger generation came up and and grew into the the men of the nation. Joshua now comes to the borders of the promised land. He's going to enter them again, and this time he selects only two men for the mission, the scouting mission, possibly representing the faithful men from the first mission of the spies. They enter the land, and they spy out Jericho. They learn from Rahab that there is a great fear that God Almighty might come and strike Jericho. So the people are ready to enter, but they encounter a natural obstacle, the River Jordan. Now, people who see it today can't imagine that this is a problem, but the modern river does not generally have the power that it did in the ancient days. 
It's been dammed up at several points for power generation, and this has slowed it down and robbed it of its power that it had in the, in the flood season or the wet season. And so this presents a problem, an obstacle for the people of Israel, but it will not be an obstacle for long. God will show the people of Israel that he is faithful to carry out his promises. Our God is faithful. The people will cross the River Jordan on dry ground. God promises that as soon as the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant step down into the river, its flow will stop so that the people can cross over on dry ground. Again, this is a mighty sign, but it's a sign of God's faithfulness because God is ensuring that the people would enter and inherit the land. And that water stood still. The people remembered the faithfulness of their awesome God. In fact, you can imagine any time that that would be spoken of, it would be spoken of of the incredible faithfulness of Almighty God who remembered His promise and kept His promise and ensured His promise. As a memorial to that faithfulness, God gave Joshua specific instructions. One man chosen from each of the tribes of Israel was to select a rock out of the midst of the Jordan River. Now they would select it out of that river once the water was stopped and they would carry it across on their shoulder. But my friends, they were to place them where they would rest. The place they would make their camp was the place they were to lay these rocks up. The idea here is not that they would lay them haphazardly. That's why Joshua is told to rest them. They were to lay them carefully and thoughtfully. They were placed as a memorial. Joshua would move them to their permanent place a place in which they would sit as a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Verses 21 through 24 that we read just a moment ago, tell us the purpose. Again, listen to it. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. My friends, it is a reminder of the mighty God who faithfully remembered his people and his promise. Those stones placed in such a way that they would draw attention from the children of Israel, that they might ask their parents, Dad, what do these stones mean? But notice also the duty of the father to have an answer. When your children ask what this memorial means, be prepared to give them an answer that these stones represent the gracious faithfulness of God who remembered and kept his promise. Did you notice just now that Joshua made a reference to another great and memorable event in the history of God's people? In his speech at the great memorial at Gilgal, Joshua reminds his hearers that the River Jordan was not the first place where God showed his mighty power in the parting of water. But what was done this time to bring his people into a land of hope and promise was done before to deliver his people out of a land of slavery and oppression. Isn't it amazing that the events that Joshua is referring to also carry with them a call to remember? a command of God that they should forever be memorialized. Now, we know that the Exodus was a term used by the children of Israel to describe the entirety of God's deliverance of them out of Egypt from the calling of Moses till the crossing of the Red Sea. 
But even in the midst of that story, there was a moment in which God called his people to memorialize what he was doing. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to read verses 3 through 10. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and of the Hittites and of the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand, and as a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth, For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. Here was a people trapped in slavery. Yet God intervened in power and freed his people. This was brought fully to bear in the tenth plague. Wherein the homes that did not have the blood of the Passover lamb over the post of their door were hit with a plague that killed their firstborn son. Even Pharaoh, mighty Pharaoh, did not escape this. Yet those covered by the Passover lamb were delivered. These events would be memorialized every year in the celebration of the Passover, a memorial to what God had done in his might, delivering his people by his omnipotent power. And notice that just like Joshua, it was for the people to instruct the next generation. Those that were there might need a reminder of God's power and faithfulness, but the next generation will never know if they are not told. My friends, we see this principle today, don't we? As parents are forgetting to tell their children about God. As we lament the decline of Christianity in America today, one of the reasons for it surely is our lack of telling our children about God, about His glory, His holiness, His might, and His grace. My friends, the Bible tells us over and over again, it is the duty of parents to teach their children about God. He has given us memorials to do just that. Here is a memorial set up every year, the Passover feast, that was a reminder to children of God's mighty and omnipotent power. As they would eat that meal, they were told, your children will ask you, what do these things signify? What does it mean? And you're to tell them, God, by his mighty hand, delivered us out of slavery in Egypt and into the land of promise. My friends, we are given so many opportunities to tell our children about God's glory, his grace, his power, his strength, his goodness. We have Easter. We have Christmas. And yet we have allowed those things to devolve into uh, just secular holidays. My friends, we need to take advantage and use the events that God has given us. They are unto us memorials by which we can tell our children about the glory of God. 
Here was one given to the people of Israel, the Passover feast, in which they could remind their children of God's mighty hand and power. Oh, that great Passover lamb was not the end of the story, was it? But just a shadow of something better to come. You see, that Passover lamb pointed forward to the true lamb of God. He is the one who was sacrificed once and for all for believers that death might pass them by if they are covered by his blood and stand in his perfect righteousness. Jesus is not simply just another Passover lamb. He is the great Passover lamb. For he alone is able to save to the uttermost those who would come to him in faith and trust in him, his person and work. And yet even this event is a memorial, isn't it? The cross is not to be forgotten. The great Lamb of God is not to be forgotten. He is to be remembered. It's interesting, isn't it, that just prior to his death, Jesus himself observed the Passover with his disciples. Even in this meal, Jesus instituted a new memorial. Now, again, I want to say, this is in no way saying it's only a memorial. We are in no way saying that there is not a a, a blessing given to the people of God through their remembrance and observance of the Lord's table. But there is an element in which we do remember what Christ did. It does function as a memorial. The Lord's table is significant. Listen to what Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Do you see the memorial call here? Do this in remembrance of me. Drink this in remembrance of me. We are called to remember the price that the Lord paid. As Paul said, we are bought at a price, bought at a great price. And we are called to observe this and to remember and to instruct our children about it. We do this because, as Paul said of our Lord, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Dear brothers and sisters, today is Memorial Day in America, but there are memorials that we are never to forget in God's word. They remind us of his faithfulness, his omnipotent power and his grace. They remind us of how great a God it is that we serve. And while, yes, there is a day set aside to remember those who have given their life for their nation, every day is a call to remember our glorious God, to remember His grace, to remember His power, to remember His faithfulness, and to offer thanksgiving to Him for those things. My friends, I pray today, in remembering these key texts, we found reason to be thankful toward our God, For his amazing faithfulness, love, grace, strength, power, and goodness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to 
look at a few places in your word. We thank you that there are memorials that remind us of how great you are. Father, help us to be a people who look for opportunities to tell others about you, about your greatness. And Father, I pray that when those opportunities present themselves, that our children or, or others might come to us and ask the significance of what these things mean. What, what is Easter? What is Christmas? That we would leap at the opportunity to speak of them as a remembrance of what you have done. Father, help us to point others to Christ. Help us, Father, to be faithful. Help us to grow in our love for you day by day by your grace. We pray this in Christ's name and for his everlasting glory. Amen.